So I think that's the key. Like if you, if you are contemplating selling with the sole purpose of, oh, I'm going to sell now and catch the market in the dip and buy back in, it's not going to happen. Very unlikely. And so why there are not? No, there are no signs that the market is going to dip. Good morning. Welcome to episode 134 of KT Confidential. I'm Adrian. This is Ariel. Morning, morning. How are you doing today? Excellent. Excellent. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Other than yeah, most, feeling this is the first, first, like I was talking about talking, a minute ago, talking about your right side being lower. Yeah. It, it, it has something to do with like this is me sitting perfectly straight. Yeah. Your right side definitely is, is lower than your left side. Yeah. They're now normal. So there's a good inch, at least an inch there. So for those listening, you can't see what I'm doing. My right shoulder seems to sit lower than my left. So I need an, a realignment. Maybe maybe we should tag Jen Swears by oh, um, a chiropractor. Ryan or something? Mike? Uh, Ryan? Uh, Mark? Matt. Matt. Okay. Dr. Matt. Dr. Matt. I'll have to visit um, Dr. Matt. I, I, I can't remember what his uh, practice is called in Milton, uh, but it's Darian Thompson area, I believe. And she swears by him. And, uh, you know, as you get older, your your body starts to decay, right? Like there's, there's things that are uh, collapsing between your vertebrae, uh, your, your membrane isn't the same, your, the way you walk isn't the same. And now, you yeah. know, every single day, I don't know if you've had this problem for a long time, but every single day you're, you're pretty well stuck to sitting in a chair and sitting in front of a computer. And in yeah. fact, I think, I think that's going to be talk about a pandemic. I think because of COVID and people having to work virtually, I think there are going to be a lot of people that are going to need alignments or better posture um, devices or, you know, just like, I don't know about you, but my neck and my shoulders are constantly hurting now. Yeah. Or not hurting, but uncomfortable. Well, right? I find my back, if I move a certain way, it just tweaks the lower back. But definitely getting old and definitely, I mean, I've been working out a lot more lately and eating healthy, so that's helped. But I think you do have to go into the, for those routine adjustments. I tell you, I, you know, as you know, I turned 40 in, in past September and uh, people always say, you know, oh, when you turn 30, you start to, you start to feel this. Oh, when you turn four, like every 10 years is your body just automatically flicks a switch. Yeah, And there was once a couple of months ago where literally I did nothing except get out of the shower and start toweling myself. And I tweaked something and I was screwed for a week. <laughs> the joys but, of getting uh, But it all makes a difference. Like the pillow that you sleep on, how you sleep on that pillow, your mattress, how you sleep. Is the mattress, you know, suitable to the type of uh, sleep that you prefer? Um, yeah, I agree. That all makes a difference, especially as you get older. Anyways, let's get uh, into it. Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk a little. Uh, it's actually an article from 
I believe it was May 29th uh, in the Toronto Star. It was a very, very brief article, uh, but the, the premise of this article basically was, is the bubble going to burst and should I sell my home and rent, right? Should I capitalize on this being still a seller's market, low supply, high demand, especially in the GTA, well, in all of Ontario now, as a matter of fact, um, should I sell and rent, wait for the bubble to burst, and then rebuy at a lower price? And well, so we can chat about it. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. We haven't chatted about that as a team in recent months at all. Um, but if you recall, in 2017, when when the market came down, which yeah. coincidentally is the same time the mortgage rule changes happened and we've got new mortgage rules. Uh, yes, that, but there was uh, more going on at that time too. There, there was. I'm not disagreeing. Um, when the price did go down, if you sold at the peak, which would have been, you know, February, March of 2017, hard to believe that's already four years ago, um, you would have been able to repurchase that home for maybe about 10%, 10 to 15% less at the low, at the at you know the low point of that kind of swing, um, and within eighteen months later, it the value surpassed right what you would have sold for at that twenty seventeen peak. The only other opportunity that I've seen in our eleven ten plus years in the business has been or was in March and April of uh, 2020 when COVID hit. That was a little there tiny blip, of, tiny little blip. Very, very tiny blip because of what was happening in the world. Yeah. But if, if you look at the stock market, uh, the stock market was in the same kind of blip, right? Like uh, March and April, nobody was moving money around. Nobody was investing. I mean, maybe the ultra rich, but even them, they have you know, expenses and they have quotas and budgets and targets and all that stuff that probably wasn't being met. Um, so you look at stocks like Air Canada, Expedia, um, so many stocks. Uh, well, I think that, that's exactly what you have to think of it as. It's an investment. And right. if you can disconnect yourself from the emotional side of things, which I don't think most people can, and think of it purely as an investment, which means you are completely okay and prepared to rent for the rest of your life. And whether you have your money invested in real estate or in stocks or in whatever, just think of it purely as an investment. And you have to look at it from that perspective. I remember back in 2017, um, we had clients that were adamant about doing that. They sold uh, in what they considered to be the peak um, of the market. And then they're still renting. Their plan was to sell in the peak and buy back in when it dropped, but they missed it. And now they can't buy back in for the same price. So the, the risk I think that lies there, and I think this is where a lot of people make a mistake in any investment, and especially in the stock market, is they, they don't, you, it's hard to, you can't time it, right? So 
you you sell when you sell and it could go up it could go down the question is you know are you going to make the right move to get back in at the right time and the other big problem with real estate as an investment is it has of all investments has the highest acquisition and disposition costs all of your your cost to buy real estate and sell real estate is exponential compared to a stock um so what i think is smarter so like in that example in 2017 if you could have bought for 10% less than you sold, you might have broken even in the end still. You may not have right. really come out ahead. So what I think is smarter is... Well, especially especially if you end up buying something because not only are you going to pay right. the disposition cost... Well, that's of, what I mean, yeah. Bro- brokerage fees, lawyer fees, moving fees, yeah, uh, all of those things. Well, but and then, then you move in, you start wasting money pay, on painting and... Land. Land transfer tax, uh, lawyer fees again, moving fees again, uh, and all of those things. Yeah. Well, and um, you can't, well, you can't, you can't be reactive. That's, no, that's the point, right? So the market is a bit cyclical, but historically, especially in the province of Ontario and the GTA, uh, most certainly uh, over time, real estate appreciates. And there's less and less land to build on, especially land that's close to highways or close to major metropolis areas. Um, Do you know anyone that has ever held real estate that regretted it? Held real estate that regretted it? As in Uh, they decided they did not sell. They held on to it. Yeah. I'd have to think really hard, really, really hard. You know, my father had a property up in Elliott Lake. Um, bought it some, I want to say, probably purchased it 15, 16 years ago and sold it maybe five or six years ago, maybe a bit more. Um he regretted hanging on to it just because it was an investment property. It was tenanted. The tenant was either consistently late or did not pay uh, rent. It's harder to find tenants in some of those more, uh, we'll call them lower population, lower income areas. Um, so it ended up costing him money every year to right. carry it, money that he didn't have. Um, and the property at that time appreciated very, very little because the market there was much, much softer. However, now in retrospect, um, should have kept it because the property values have gone up significantly. It is now an area that a lot of people are looking to to move to, especially to retire. Um, but very, very, and even then, like, do you regret it? No, because you you bought it and you sold it and you still made a profit, right? So the key here is if you sell, let's just let's just say you're going to sell, right? You look at your spouse and you say or whatever, you, you, you look at your financial um, wheelhouse and you decide, okay, we bought the house for 600 grand. It's worth 950. It's gonna cost us 
50 grand to sell it. We only owe 500 on it. That's $400,000 of tax-free money. So why wouldn't we sell? That's the, that's the process that goes through most people's minds when they when they get to that stage. Right. And that's a shit ton of money. Like that's a lot of money to ever be able to save with your normal income, right? Like how else are you ever going to have 400 right. grand in cash? Right. So, all right. So you sell for 950 and now you're waiting on the sidelines, waiting for something, you know, to happen in the marketplace for the, the numbers to come down a bit. And then you think there's going to be some buying opportunities. Well, we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know if that's going to happen. And in the meanwhile, what are you doing with that money? Well, that's the key. That's the key. In the meanwhile, what are you doing with that money? Like if you were smart and invested in a stock that, you know, I talk, I have talked in the past years about Facebook and, and the stock, how, how well it's been as an investment. If you found a blue chip stock or, or a, you know, a, a stock that was certain to appreciate in value, and you made 10%. All right. So you made 40 grand. Great. Right. Um, and then what? The money's just still sitting around. And those stocks being volatile, you could easily lose 10%. Well, I think, I mean, there's lots um, of lots of safe places to put it where okay, so you put it, so you put it in a GIC, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna put it in a non-redeemable GIC because your mindset is the market's gonna crash. So I need that money available because when a buying opportunity comes up, I have to have that money. So you're gonna put it in a in a redeemable GIC, which pays you nothing. Like the best redeemable uh, redeemable for that, call it 400 grand. You're not even going to get 1%. Maybe you'll get 1%, maybe 1.5, right? If we're talking 1.5%, um, what other safe places could you put it in? I mean, I think the better bet is, is, I mean, there's two scenarios where I think, or there's one scenario I can think of where it works, or maybe two, is one is you're just, you're retiring. And it's like, yeah, we're going to rent for the next 20 years, 30 years. And I'm going to cash in on the million, $2 million home I have now and enjoy my retirement. That's maybe a good opportunity to sell and enjoy the rest of your life. The other is if you're, if you are. um, Well, potentially, like I think, I also think people are retiring or we're seeing that a little bit now too, but I think long-term people are going to retire much later in life because the life expectancy is also going to be longer and technology and medical advances are going to keep you alive longer. Well, and the um, dynamics of work for a lot of people are changing. It's not, you know, a lot of people working from home. It's like, yeah, why, why would you want to stop getting paid if it's that convenient? Like you don't have to commute to the office every day. Right. So I think people will enjoy it. If, if, if your career is in marketing and you're a marketing guru and you're 75 years old hanging out in Florida, you could still be a marketing consultant sitting by your pool. Right. Right. So I don't think like, I don't know about you. I know we love to work. I don't think I'll ever retire. I'll retire when I'm dead. 
right? Yeah. Like that literally. Well, I think for some people, the retirement is the beginning of their death, right? Like they just, you need to keep yourself busy and occupied and keep your brain moving, thinking, exercising. The other time I think it could work is if you're moving to a market that's significantly uh, more affordable than where you're at now. Like if you're relocating, I know people that have done that. Lots of people are doing that now, actually. We have, uh, which is also driving the price of those markets up, but we've got clients moving in a couple of months. They bought out in Bracebridge, new construction, Mattamy home. Um, our previous, uh, got the guy that did our lawn, took care of our gardens. Um, he moved up north. Um, but see, he's smart because he, he, he still has... like Pomogamy or something, right? What? Yeah, I don't even know exactly where it is. He's, he's pretty far up north, like North Bay, something like that. But he's got, he has a condo here that he rents, right? So he's still in the market. So I think that's the key. Like if you if you are contemplating selling with the sole purpose of, oh, I'm going to sell now and catch the market in the dip and buy back in, it's not going to happen. Very unlikely. And so why there not? Are no, there are no signs that the market is going to dip. There no. is just too much demand. Well, I guess that's the, first, that's the first thing to say. Right. Why do you think it's going to happen, right? Like you're, you're gambling on your biggest asset. Right. Give us, the, give me the reason that you think the market is going to not dip, crash, whatever, take a fall that is significant enough for you to profit on it and cash out on your home. Right. I, I don't see it. There's, there's too much demand. There's too much money floating around. There's too much shifting uh, moving around. It's too easy to make money right now uh so when it's easy to make money it also gives a lot of um a lot of options for investing that money right like when when you have more more money available to you you look for options in investing and i'm not just talking about canadians there are a lot of international buyers into the canadian real estate market um, whether it's in the Asian countries, even in North America, um, you know, there's a lot of Americans that own Canadian, uh, Canadian properties. There's a lot of, um, Chinese people that own, uh, Canadian properties. There's a lot of Middle Eastern people that own Canadian properties. So, I mean, the, the demand is there. It's constant new homes cannot be built fast enough to keep up with this uh, demand. Um, the resale market continuously, the days on market have dropped down. Um, I think the better option, if someone is that convinced that it's going to happen, do two things, stop spending, start saving and get ready for the, the dip and buy in with the money you save, even if it's a small condo or, and, um, refinance or get a, a new home equity line of credit that's up to par with the current value of your home so that you've got that money ready, right? Like that's something I should do. Mine, my, I think my home equity line of credit is based off of a valuation of like 500K. So, which is like eight years ago. <laughs> right. So, you know, for me, you could, I could go in there and easily increase that. So I, I don't think, I don't think which you should. selling. I should. You're right. I uh, I don't think selling is the right idea. I think it's just being I, prepared. 
I agree hundred percent. And I love that idea of, because you don't need to move out of your primary residence, right? Like you, you can leverage your residence and you want to buy when the market dips. That's fine. Have liquid cash, liquid assets available to buy something else with it. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a very, very reasonable way of looking at it. Um, you know what I think the, more cha- the, need the to challenge do? I have, hang on. The challenge I have is the market ain't dipping. No, it's not. So if you are on the sidelines waiting in either scenario, you sell your primary residence or you leverage it and you have got all this money and you're sitting by the sidelines going, Oh, is it going to crash today? Uh, you know, Five years will go by, and that townhome you could have bought for nine fifty is now going to be one point two five, or whatever. It's going to be more. And meanwhile, you didn't lock that money into anything that was giving you a good return. Yeah. So I think there will be a period of time, like even you know, for a decade, where it plateaus. Though, like I mean, it's not feasible mm-hmm. to think it's going to go thirty percent a year and indefinitely. No. It just doesn't make sense. No, so at some gonna, point in time, something will happen where it will plateau for a decade um, or more, maybe. Who knows? And, and it could be one of many things. It could be the government imposes that the, 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 the idea of the capital gains on your primary residence tax that exists in other countries. It's likely that at some point it will have to come. I mean, the, com- the country is spending money that they don't have right now. So they're going to start imposing new taxes. That's something that at some point is probably viable. So um, oh, 100% and mortgage rates are going to go up. Right. Yeah. Um, look at, look at, okay. So Toronto is kind of considered now a mini Manhattan. Look at the prices in Manhattan. Right. It's not like there's more money floating around in Manhattan. It's not like the average income is that much higher in the area surrounding the city. Um, if, if I would have asked you, call it 10 years ago, if a 1,500 square foot townhome in Oakville would be selling for 1.1, 1.2 million dollars. I can't remember well, how much did we sell our our houses for back then. I can't remember what mine was. It was like I I bought my townhome or something. I bought my townhome for one ninety nine nine. It's like a down payment in, in Oakville. One ninety nine nine, and I remember it very very well. Um. It was in 2004, and literally I walked in to the Madame uh, office, the sales office on Dundas in Oakville. I just happened to be taking a drive uh, on a Sunday. My girlfriend at the time was on vacation visiting family, and uh, I said, I'm going to go for a little drive. Drove up Dundas, past the Madame office. I saw they were open. I popped in. And uh, this is back in the day when you could pop in and buy a house. Let me finish. Yeah, I pop in. There was one other couple uh, in there and a couple of salespeople. 
And the lady came up to me and she said, uh, can I help you? And I said, well, I just wanted to see what kind of homes uh, you have available. We have this, we have this, we have this. Like I had options. You can't even walk into most sales offices now because there's lineups created for days and days. Um, And when you do get in there, you know, it's, it's very slim pickings. Anyway, she, I said, uh, she said, how much, how much are you looking to to spend? And I said, well, really as least amount as possible. And uh, Madame had just started building or created the village homes. I was going to say that was a new concept back then. I It was a new concept. So, so for those who aren't familiar with it, maybe, yeah. A village home, for those of you that haven't heard that terminology, some refer to it as a back-to-back townhome. It's a three-story townhome, no basement. So you walk in ground level, and then you have two completely finished um, stories above. And you're attached. If you're an inside unit, you're attached from the back and both sides. So you have no windows on either side, no windows at the back, no backyard. You have uh, windows at the front, and then most of them will have a balcony off of the second floor. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And $199.9, I'm like, all right, I'll take that one. Within a half an hour, I bought it. And uh, I I had already previously spoken to um, a mortgage uh, agent about what I might qualify for. I had a promotion at the time uh, at my job, so I was making some more money, and I probably could have afforded more. And of course, in retrospect, I probably should have. But uh, I was a single guy, first home, and uh, anyways, house. It was like Party Central. That's where we always hung out. Yeah, I remember I, all I, those nights hanging out. You were cooking up a storm. I I very much enjoyed being a first-time homeowner, uh, single in Oakville with a good job. And, you out uh, front good, cutting your grass with scissors. Good, good friends. Yeah, not much lawn there. Literally, I my neighbors came home one day and I was out front trimming my lawn with the uh, hedge scissors and they said, uh, did you want to borrow our lawnmower? <laughs> anyway, so I came home on that Sunday. I was still living at my dad's place. and. Uh, Actually, my grandmother was there uh, as well. And I walked in and uh, they go, where were you? Because I was, I was gone for a little while and I didn't say anything. And uh, I came in with all of the uh, paperwork and the brochure and all that. And I said, uh, I bought a house. I'm like, what? Yeah, I walked into the Madame sales office. They had something uh, I liked and I, and I bought it. And they go, okay, what is it? And I told them, they go, no backyard? Where? And, and that was the next, yeah, that was the next thing. Where is it? And I said, it's at uh, Dundas and uh, Brony, Dundas and 25. They go, all the way there? That's far. Where, where are you going to move so far? You can afford something locally. And we're talking, I mean, they lived in Clarkson. Winston Churchill, QEW area. It's literally like a 13, 14 minute drive. Yeah. Winston Churchill to Dundas and up. And then I told him I paid $199.9. How much? 
<laughs> you paid that much for a townhome with no backyard attached on three sides in the middle of nowhere? I said, yeah. Okay, it's your yeah. money. That's what they said to me. 20, 24 years old. That home today, I wish when, when we both sold in Oakville to move to Milton. Wish we kept them. Wish could have afforded. I don't even know. I don't think it was something I even entertained. At the time, I wasn't, I, I had not even, it hadn't crossed my mind. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it because I had to pull out the equity. That's when we started thinking about the uh, transition. Yeah. We were, so, we, were already take, we were already taking our real estate courses at that time. Yeah, we just started. So, and I mean, we were still both employed, but we were in the understanding that. Yeah, I remember we, when I when I took the week off to do the mandatory in-class portion of it, I we took the story was at the dealership because Alicia, my wife, worked there as well. And they're like, why is Adrian taking a week off and you're not? And he, she's like, oh, he's finishing the basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> With my zero yeah. tools. Yeah, that's great. You know what I think more um, people need to do is um, what you and I did buy buy a, an investment property property together. Yeah, there's not a lot of joint ventures happening, no. and um, you know what I think it does. Well, first of all, you got to understand you have to have agreements in place, like you and I, as so many of our um, associates and and. Um, People that know us, they, you know, we're in bed together with, with pretty well everything. So what's a, you know, what's a property or two going to make a difference? Uh, but if, if you're going to do it with a buddy or a colleague or whatever, just make sure that there's understandings and put it in writing of what's going to happen and, and how it happens, uh, succession plans and, and that whole bit, because um, I have one client now that did partner up with a friend, a colleague, um, on a property in Brantford. And, uh, and one of them wants out and the other uh, wants to hang on to it. But then there's financial implications. And then what is the home truly worth on the market and, and this and that. So it has to be documented as to what happens uh, in different scenarios, especially uh, if there's a death you know, or an illness. Um, well, I think that's yeah. or tenant problems, you yeah. know, all of those things. But, but if you partner up with one or two people, you have much more leverage now. Uh, you've got three incomes, you've got, you know, three people that can potentially manage or, you know, uh, Yield inquiries from tenants, or um, if you hire a property management company, you know you've got um, you just have more, right? And and it gives you that ability to have more, buy more, do more. Um, and if you buy right, well, we're going through this right now. So I'll tell the story real quick to the audience because I think. I think this is something, this is a great point that you bring up. You and I bought a townhome together, closing in on two years ago. The property is worth significantly more than we paid for it. 
What are we doing right now? We're refinancing that property. Hopefully we qualify. We're refinancing that property uh, to pull out our initial investment. And then we're going to use that investment to purchase or that, that money that's coming out from our initial investment. And then we're going to use that money once again. We're going to regurgitate that initial down payment um, to purchase another property. And the initial property that we're now refinancing, when we ran the numbers based on the current rent that we're getting, it's going to be paying for itself. So it sits there and every month the mortgage is being paid down and you hope every month or every year the property value is going to go up. So your equity in it over time is going to increase, increase, increase. Now you do that in one property. Now you do it in the second property and so on and so forth. And then, you know, you've got five to 10 properties now that are, um, or however many you want, but you've got multiple properties that are giving you equity on your books every year. Yeah. And that's where it becomes you know, less enticing to sell your primary residence for just getting out because the market's hot and it's a seller's market and fear of the bubble bursting. And then, you know, the naysayers and the um, negative Nancys of the world will say, well, you want me to buy multiple properties because you make commission on that. Well, yeah, sure. That's, that's our job, but I wouldn't want, our clients to be I wish I bought every house that I convinced a client to buy. Like, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. that's not a, a valid argument. Right. Right. And, and, and then, you know, they'll also say that, well, my fear is the bubble is going to burst. So why would I buy more property now? Here's the thing. If you don't sell it, you're not losing. Right. It's just like a stock. You buy it at a hundred bucks. Now it's worth 90, but you didn't sell it. You didn't lose anything. Yeah. Well, I think people's uh, biggest fear is bad tenants. Maybe not biggest, but that's definitely up on the list of concerns. Like yesterday, I did a TikTok where I was duetting this person that I was recording a video of their rental property. In did this you particular, post it? I didn't hear it. Yeah, I, did. I didn't see it. Yeah, this tenant uh, had not paid for a period of time. I believe the person was implying it was a year of no payments. And then there was this pending eviction. So they went to the property to inspect it and they found that they'd flooded it. So they were recording outside. There's water pouring through the ceiling of the garage. Um, and they were saying that the tenants had intentionally flooded the property as you know, to get back at them for this eviction. And, you know, so I do edit that video saying like, you know, this is, there's, this can happen. Like it's good as an investor to be aware that you could get bad tenants, but it's so rare. And in our decade in the industry and owning a property management company, um, we have never had a bad tenant. The only bad tenant we've had is a tenant that we did not uh, personally vet. And it was a transaction I was involved in, but it was somebody that I didn't say, well, yeah, this is a good option. They passed up a dozen of other people. So one person and not somebody we recommended in a 10-year period, that was bad. You're always going to go through things, right? Like, I mean, during COVID, one of the big stories has been in the GTA that a lot of tenants were not paying rent. Right. Um, it's, it's 
there's always that potential, whether you have a property management company or you don't, or you vet them property properly or you don't, there's always the potential of issues and there's always potential of, you know, um, lost income in that, in that sense. But if you live your life that way, like there's a potential you could have a heart attack tomorrow. There's a potential you could get in a car accident. Uh, there's a potential that, you know, you could get bad news and, and you have some kind of ailment um, or you have a disability now that you didn't have before or whatever. People buy cars, the biggest depreciating asset on the damn planet is an automobile. Everybody that I know has, well, with the exception of maybe two people, have an automobile. Yeah. I don't know what the average price of a car is right now, but it's a lot. Like 40 grand. Maybe even more. I don't know. You know, you look at, you, you've been looking at pickup trucks. And I just canceled my order of the Tesla Cybertruck. And I'm like, hmm, wonder what, what competitors the Cybertruck has. Because there's a lot now, over the last couple of years, there's a lot more electric uh, trucks coming out. And I looked at the uh, Ford F-150 Lightning that's um, coming later this year or next year. Its starting price is $60,000. And on the high end will be just over Mm $100,000. Pickup truck. Well, pickups are expensive. Like the ones I was looking at, they were all $80,000, $90,000. All right. Now I want you to take the most comparable pickup truck. Certainly the domestic ones, GM, Ford, whatever, Dodge. Look at the most comparable that's four years old. Right. You take a $70,000 pickup truck, guarantee you it's worth less than 30000 bucks. You lose more than half of the value of the car. So these people just throwing out money, lease payments and all this on the car. Meanwhile, real estate is appreciating and worried about the bubble bursting. The bubble's not going to burst. And let me just say this. You now see areas like Niagara region, London, Ottawa's been booming, and Kingston's been doing very well. Barrie again is booming. Um, There are significant opportunities in this province currently if you're looking in the right places. Grimsby, I love Grimsby. I love Guelph. There are some areas and people will tell me, oh, what are you talking about? $700,000 for a townhome in Guelph? Right, well, if you think that way, then just keep buying more cars. I don't know. You know, like, what are you going to do with your money? Uh, to, sum up, to sum up the topic, first of all, the bubble's not likely to burst anytime soon. And when it bursts, I don't think it'll be a burst. I think it'll be a plateau. But if you are convinced it's going to, I think the best way to be prepared is to have your money ready, have have funds available to invest. Don't sell in order to buy 
And if you're selling in order to buying and renting in the interim, rents right now on average are across the GTA, probably 3,000 bucks a month. Yeah. I mean, condos are mid twos now. Some high twos. There's yeah, some two so bedroom. I don't, know, I don't know what the I don't know what the rental average is. I really could care less. But let's just say it's three thousand bucks. Yeah, a month. Thirty six thousand dollars a year. Over three years, there's a hundred thousand dollars. So if you're waiting, you know, oh, the market will crash in the next year or two or three or whatever, and when it does. I'll have that money. Yeah, you just spent $100,000 paying down your, your landlord's mortgage. Yeah. You know, and let's just think about this. Let's say your mortgage payment was $3,000 a month. That means about roughly $1,500 a month goes towards paying down the principal. So that's 18000 bucks. That's $54,000 in three years time. In those three years, if the property, let's say at 3000 bucks, let's say it's whatever, a $700,000 home. Let's say the property conservatively appreciates 8% per year. Don't like that number? Fine. Cut it in half. 4% per year on a $700,000 home. That's 28,000 bucks a year appreciation. So now you multiply that by three. What does that give you? Uh, that's a two hundred thousand dollars spread. Well, that's a hundred and whatever, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand, roughly hundred and thirty thousand bucks or whatever it is. Yeah, my mind's not with it this morning. So the per the person that buys is a quarter million dollars ahead. So so your opportunity cost, yeah, is two hundred grand. Because now you're spending the money with the uh, landlord or on your on your rent, uh, and you didn't pay down your mortgage, and you didn't have the appreciation over that time. So in three years, while you were waiting, and the reason I say this is because I have a client that three years ago did this, sold, went and rented in a town outside of the GT8 for cheaper rent, which is smart, has <laughs> still been waiting to get back in the market. Yeah. You know, so anyway, um, you think so mortgage rules, uh, you know, it's hard to believe we're in June. I know. You know, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and the whole year has gone fast. And still, we're still, I can't wait to be doing our podcast back at the uh, studio. I'm yeah. telling you, that'll be so nice. It, it'll, it brings a different dynamic when we're doing it. But um, do you think that the mortgage changes are going to stabilize anything? Do you think they're going to affect anything? Like, even if there's no, we know there's no bubble burst, but you know, could it take a little dip? Could it balance out and average out? Because conveniently at the same time with these changes, the the mortgage rates have been creeping a little bit higher uh, and they will creep a little bit higher. 
So your buying power, like on a million dollar home right now, with the new mortgage approval um, uh, criteria compared that stress test criteria compared to previous, your buying power is about forty thousand dollars less, which is not a lot. But if the mortgage rates creep up uh, a little bit, that forty thousand can easily become seventy to a hundred thousand dollar in your approval amount. Um, so you you got you know, seven to 10% less buying power, probably um, later this summer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I mean, if it was going to have a profound impact, I think we would have seen it already some sort of fluctuation in the market, whether it was a surge in activity or, or a, sur- a dip serious dip in, in activity. I think we would have seen that just leading up to this time now where the mortgage effects are coming into play, um, or mortgage changes rather. So I don't think there will be a major change. I don't think a lot of people that are, I could be wrong, but I don't think it would be interesting to hear from a mortgage broker, but I don't think that most people are utilizing their full approval. Like if the bank told me, Hey, Adrian, you can go buy a two and a half million dollar home. I'm not going to go buy a two and a half million dollar home. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I'd, be, I'd feel strapped myself. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be putting myself in that situation. So I'm already spending well below what my limit would be. You are, and there are people like you, but there, I speak to our brokers on a regular basis. Um, ours that's doing the refi on, um, on our property there. Um, there are a lot of buyers that are buying over their limit. I don't doubt it. I mean, we saw it in the car business, people buying cars that just could not afford it. I remember we were selling a Hyundai Accent once and they had buried so much money into it. It was almost a $40,000 car and they made I don't know, 30 or 40K a year. Like you're crazy, man. People people don't have the best money sense. But I would say on average, there's probably a um, a fairly even split between those who are utilizing the full approval and those who are not. Um so I don't, I don't think, I think it'll just result in people buying different homes or buying in different areas. I don't think it'll have a pr- profound impact. Certainly not bursting the bubble impact. Yeah, might, might see some, some changes in the mid to upper range homes. Like if you look at that one and a half to $2 million bracket, I'd be a little bit concerned in that price point, but even then not really, because again, there's, there's a lot of money floating around. And, um, and the only reason I say that price bracket is when the average price of a home is a million bucks, right? If you're looking to upgrade, you know, that's kind of the next step, like the average, like a, a, double car garage home in the town of Milton right now, your 1.2 to 1.3 million is kind of that going, going rate. So if, if you have that 2000 square foot double car garage home, that's nicely finished and it's worth 1.2 to 1.3 million, what are you going to upgrade to? Well, now I want the whatever 2,800 square foot home or 3000 square foot home with a bigger lot. And that's, you know, 1.5 plus. So um, 
those people might feel a bit of a pinch if they can now afford, you know, seven to ten percent less, um, which might, you know, pull down a little bit of the values on those homes, which in turn may trickle down a little bit. But as you go down the scale, first-time home buyers are going to be okay. Um, lots of Lots of gifted money going around, um, you know, grandparents and parents that have tons of equity because they bought their home for 150 grand. It's now worth a million bucks or plus, you know, they've got all this money. So, um, so that's it. I mean, episode 134, we kind of uh, ranted and rambled a little bit about the market not going to burst. And if it does, and you're thinking of renting, probably not a good idea. You want to chat about it, send us a DM. If you like this podcast, give us a thumbs up. Or a thumbs down if you don't. Whatever, that's cool too. We want to know what you're thinking. Good point. And drop a comment so we know uh, what you are thinking. That's it. Episode 134. Thanks for listening. KT Confidential, the real estate podcast.